0: Amen, amen. All right, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 10. And we started a series last week. I'm entitled Help for the Hurting. And the emphasis is not on the hurting, but the emphasis is on the help. And I believe, I, I made a statement last week, I think I did, and, but, but here's the reality. I believe Jesus is the answer for every problem and every situation that's in the world. I believe that. But he uses the church as the vehicle to get him into position to where those people's lives can be changed. So in the book of Luke chapter 10, I'm just going to read a couple verses and then I'll tell the story. It says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up. This is verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law and what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto him, you have answered rightly, do this and you shall live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now I'll tell the story from there. So I don't have to read all of it. Said a certain man was taking a journey. And as he was on his journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves. And so these men they worked him over. They beat him up. They stripped him of his raiment. No doubt took what goods he had. And the Bible said they left him. In a, in a bad situation, that he was half dead. If you remember last week when I was talking about this, if he's half dead, then he's half alive. And the whole issue of whether he lives or die is going to be whether help is there. So here comes a priest along, and when he sees him, he passes to the other side of the street, and he goes around him. And then it wasn't long after that, a Levite came by. And a Levite done basically the very same thing. But then here comes this certain man that's no doubt on his journey, but he happens to be a Samaritan. And we understand that a Samaritan is basically, I'm going to call it a half-breed, or or they're a hybrid of a Jew. They have been intermingled with uh, with the Gentiles. And so here comes this man He doesn't doesn't walk around, but he comes and immediately, the Bible said, he binds up his wounds, he pours in oil and wine, lifts him up, sets him on his donkey, rides him to the nearest village, takes him to an inn and leaves him there and says, can you please take care of him and I'll come back in a few days and if there's anything old, I'll take care of it. And then Jesus asked the question again, and he said, "Who show?" Uh, he said, "Where am I at? I got to find my verse here." So he said, "Which of these three do you was do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves?" And the lawyer said, "He who showed mercy on him." And Jesus said to him, "Go and do likewise." Now, in fairness to the To the priest and in fairness to the Levite. According to law in the book of Leviticus, that they would have been taught, the priest couldn't get within six feet of a dead body because if he had gotten in, if he had touched it or gotten close, he would have been defiled. Then he's going to have to go through a long process of ritual cleansing in order to be able to maintain his position. Basically, the same thing would happen. To a Levite. So we might could say maybe they didn't care. It's it's been preached in so many different ways. Maybe they didn't care. Maybe they were more concerned about themselves. There could have been a lot of issues. The law said they couldn't. So there was a lot of issues that was floating around here. But here comes this Samaritan that just went into action. But I want to take us back to the question that the lawyer started with. Because Jesus had sent out... In Luke chapter 10, I'm not going to go through all those verses. He had sent out 70. He appointed 70, sent them out two by two to go before him into the cities. And he told them, whatever cities you go in, you're going to heal the sick. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to do all of these things. And they come back. You know the story rejoicing that the demons were subject and great things were happening. But this attorney or this lawyer, when I say attorney, it's a different, not like we think here. This lawyer was one skilled in the, in the Torah. He was skilled with the law. But his question to Jesus was this. Teacher, I want eternal life. I want to live forever. Basically, that's what he's asking. What must I do to live forever? And Jesus said, well, what does the law say? You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That was the command of Jesus. He said, you have said rightly, do this. Listen to what he says. Do this and you will live. Now what he was talking about to the lawyer when he said do this and you will live. He wasn't so much pointing towards eternity as he was pointing towards the the life, the eternal life. That he could begin living like he had never lived before right here in this present time. Jesus was saying if you want to really live then do love your neighbor as yourself so then he gives the story and the question was who's my neighbor so I just walked through that my subtitle for tonight is simply this be the neighbor be the neighbor now what are we talking we think about our neighbor as the person that lives next door to us that's my neighbor that's how most of us in our western culture thinks about I try to always think, or asking questions that I'm searching uh, through the internet and such as that to try to get resources, honestly, just like you do. Uh, I want to think about, how does a Hebrew look at that? How does an Easterner, when we say neighbor, because I think about my neighbor that's next door, well, there's several different definitions, and the word neighbor is used a lot in the Scripture, more than you realize, Old Testament and New Testament, but a number of times it just simply means this. It means one who is close, one who is close to you. That could be a neighbor. That could be the person down the road. Or it could be the friend that you're involved with. It would be, oh, that's my neighbor. Another definition means a companion or associate. I could call all of you uh, my neighbor. We would be companions in, in ministry. We could be associates working together. But many times through the New Testament, it comes up with this definition. One who protects and feeds as a shepherd watches over his flock. I thought that's kind of interesting if that's the definition. One who protects and feeds because the Bible talks about Jesus that I'm the good shepherd and I watch over and I care for my sheep. So that's what Jesus is saying to us to do. He said, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. So we, I, I, I don't know who I was in conversation with the other day. We got talking about that. Well, what does that really mean? How do I love my neighbor as myself? Maybe, maybe I used it Sunday morning for a moment or last Wednesday night, whenever. I didn't preach Sunday morning. I had to be last Wednesday night. So here's the reality. Uh, what would you want somebody to do for you if you were in that spot? I think everyone is, would hope that somebody would stop by and that they would take care of us that somebody would pick us up. I think I used this last week. If I got myself in trouble, if the enemy overtook me some way, I hope that this body of people would walk in the grace and the goodness of God enough to come by, get me up. It may be disappointing to you, but get me up, get me healed up, and get me back on my journey. Because that's what we're all supposed to be doing. You've heard this and I've heard this too. The only people that destroy their wounded is the church. We kill more people than we do restore them. But that's what we're supposed to be doing. The question was, Lord, what must I do? I want to live. I want your kind of life. What must I do? Then he said, just be a neighbor. So I want to give you a few things tonight that I think are important along the journey in here that's going to help us be the neighbor. First thing is, I don't think most of us feel qualified many times when we come up to somebody in the journey to really know how to minister to them. And yet we've been in church all of our lives. And the one thing that most of us, especially Pentecostal charismatic word of faith deliverance people, have always been taught that he gave the fivefold ministry For, he gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints. But most of us go to church instead of being equipped. Or maybe it's not that we're equipped. uh, We don't have the credentials. Well, pastor, if I was really ready, you would ordain me. You would give me a card. You would do this or you would do that. And, And I think many times we don't feel qualified to minister to anybody. Here's like for most of it, I I just don't feel the anointing for that. So we've made anointing about a feeling. And that's not what the word teaches us. It's the exact, the anointing means I've been marked and smeared for this moment. I, I wonder when David was anointed to be king if he felt that. I got an idea that he probably felt something because they would have understood in that day when the prophet came to town and would pour the oil on his head. I, I mean, I would hope it would be warm oil. How many has ever heard this? I got in the presence of God and it was like warm honey poured or warm oil or warm honey poured over my head. And I'm thinking, how many of you have had warm oil poured over you? To even know how it would feel. But we pick up a lot of of, of feeling, a, a lot of issues. So we made it more of a feeling than we have of being appointed and marked by God. Maybe it's because we see all of our failures and all of our weaknesses. I think it was good. I think Miss Tiffany brought that out so well. Sunday morning, she talked about that in some point of the service uh, in, in her message about most of us not feeling disqualified because of things in our life, of our past or whatever. Uh, but when, when you go through the Word, you might find this might help some of you. Abraham was too old. Elijah was even at one point Seemed to be suicidal Joseph was abused uh, Job went bankrupt Moses had a speech problem Gideon was afraid Samson was a womanizer Rahab the She was a harlot. We have Noah becoming a drunk. Jeremiah was too young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied the Lord. Zacchaeus, he was small and he was hungry for money. And Paul was so religious. And yet God chose every one of them to do something amazing through their lives. No, we're not perfected. There's not a one of us in this place. But we are perfect in Christ. And where we've got to put our emphasis in our our character, it's not in in my goodness. It's in His goodness. I'm going to go back now uh, a number of years. We had a a brother in our church years ago in Paducah. And uh, his name, oh, what was his name? Oh, you know, that brought in Rocky and Valve. I can't think of it. It just went, went from... Terry, that's his name. And Terry was an insurance salesman. Now, if any of you do this, don't be offended. I'm not pointing at you or anything else. But he smoked like a freight train. Now, coming up the way I did, if you smoked, you're on your way to hell. You had hell all over you from the smoke. All right? But he smoked like a freight train. But I tell you, he was the most bold, courageous witness evangelist that we had in the house he was even young in the lord but god done something great we all know where michael's at we know that michael struggles with his with with his speech but he's believing every day for a miracle there's probably not a greater evangelist and prayer person in this house than that young man sitting right there praise god and I'm thankful that Michael doesn't let his, his speech impediment limit him to doing what God has set in front of him. But most of us feel that way. I feel inadequate. I don't feel like I know what to do. I, but, but pastor, you know where I came from. Ever he knows my past. You know what? It may be the greatest tool that could ever be used is your past instead of letting the enemy beat you up with it is to take it and use it for the glory of God. I've told you about a, a drunk, I've used this before, he was an alcoholic in Paducah, and I'm still a young pastor, and he he come in the church and got saved, he was an older gentleman, and uh, to me anyway at that time, and he was a binge drinker, and Jerry done real good, that was his name, Jerry done real good for several weeks and months, and then he has that, I, he fell off the wagon thing, and his, he had Been gone from the house for a number of days. Wife didn't know where he was at. It's a cool, cold, cloudy, rainy fall night. And they call me up. His wife calls me up and said, Pastor, can you come to the house? Jerry's back and he's wanting to talk to you. Well, I'd done Mark. I'd done my pastoral duty. Ran over there as fast as I could. We're sitting there in his living room having coffee. And I don't even really remember saying hello, good. And Jerry's talking. He just wanted to talk, and he began to talk to me about everything in his life from a rough bringing up of home life to Vietnam and war and everything like that, and, of course, trying to be a good listener, which I'm not the best. I I was sitting there, and, you know, I'd grunt once in a while, shake my head and drink coffee, and, and once in a while, I'd say, oh, man, you know, something like that. I don't know what point he had made, but he made this one statement and, I, and I, it came out of my mouth just to let him know I'm paying attention. And I said, I know. And boy, he threw that finger up in my face like that and said, young man, you don't know anything. And the reality was I couldn't relate to one thing that he was going through. I'd never had a drop of alcohol in my life. I come from a loving family. I didn't know what war was like. Miss Judy, that was so foreign to me. But it taught me a great lesson about the body. That even because I didn't know, didn't mean that there was somebody else around or even close to me that that they did understood. And I, I really believe this is how, even when I don't, it don't mean that I can't stop and pray and get help. Remember what the Samaritan did. He couldn't stay with him. He just got him bound up for a moment so that he could live. And what did he do? He picked him up and took him to the inn. I don't know. Maybe it was the hospital of the day if somebody was in trouble. And the man there knew how to fix him. See, some of you have walked in places I've never walked, but you can get straight in their face. Some of you may have lived on the streets. Some of you may have been addicts. Some of you may have been in battle. Some of you may have gone through abusive situations and such as that. Don't let the enemy destroy you with it, but use it as a tool because now you have an understanding to help people, to help people that that I possibly can't. I'm doing my part, but maybe it takes more than Maybe it takes a whole body of people to help individuals and help them walk that out. So number one is most people really, really just don't feel qualified. Here's the second thing I want to give to you. Most of us are missing daily opportunities. We're missing daily opportunities. It's around us all the time. But again, Pentecost, Pentecostal word of faith, deliverance, Holiness, whatever we are, we're praying for revival. Man, we want revival to come to our church. Do you ever think, and everybody knows that we're in the, last days and everybody has been prophesying about revival and awakening and you've heard it just like I've heard it. It's not going to look like yesterday, but yet it'll be as powerful as yesterday and will carry miracles. And we're all sitting in the church waiting for it to break out. Let's get the right evangelist in. Let's get the music just right. Let's keep pressing in, folks, because we're going to have revival. And maybe... Revival's already here, but I'm just looking for it in the wrong place. And maybe the evangelist didn't go to walk in the door, but maybe it's the evangelist that's going to walk out of the door. I'm talking about us that are going to come across people every day, and we're going to bring revival to a world that is in need. Had lunch today, me and Chad did, with a a brother And uh, he was telling me about a family situation of job and such as that that him and his wife were working on. And he he had been really involved in missions. And he said something to us while we we were sitting there. He said, man, maybe we could do something because it was in the medical field of where his wife was working. He said, maybe at some point we could be, we'll do something in medical missions with this. And immediately I spoke up to him and I said, Do you ever think it may not be across the ocean? That it may be right where you are, that you're on the mission field? And then the moment I said that, he started talking about all the opportunities that have been coming to them lately, both him and his wife, in places and with people of every age that he'd never dreamed he would have an opportunity to minister to. People that were in need, people that were struggling. People that are on the verge of suicide. Not just adults, but children. People that he's, families he's getting to minister to. Church, we need to refocus. We need to refocus our idea of, of, of how God is moving. Matter of fact, we need to stop looking for God to do it the way he's always done it. And maybe realize he's going to do it in a new way in this hour. I, as we were sitting with my, with uh, with Dave and Tiffany Sunday at lunch, me and Diane West, they're part of that small church over around Springfield called James River Assembly. I don't know how many knows what I'm talking about. If you've ever gone to Branson, this gigantic facility over there, I've been there. We've gone there for concert. But I'll be honest, I've never heard anything out of that church. Nothing on the radar around the world other than... You know, they've had some worship people come in and we went there for concert and we've we've even stopped there to just check out the facility and our mouth, you know, fell open and and all of this stuff to look into that. But you don't ever hear this until recently. They're in a move of God. They've had, Dave was telling me, I think in the last, how many, I want to make sure my story's right. Was it the last six months or so? They've had over... 1,500, was that what he said? 1,500 documented miracles that have taken place in their church in the last six months. But here's the deal. They haven't had a special guest in. And yet people are starting to come from all over the place because healing is breaking out in the place. And this is what they do. They've said, He said, Pastor said, well, if you come to be healed this morning, just stand up, stand in the aisle, and we'll have somebody pray for you. And and nobody can get the credit, not even the pastor. Matter of fact, that's the story where the lady that didn't have toes was prayed for, and her toes grew out 30 minutes later. Uh, But there's no name to who prayed for them. Hello? And you know what they do? They do multiple services. They don't have church all day. And they're not present. Come on, folks. we got to have a move of God. They just enjoy Jesus, worship the Lord, and do with God in the time frame that they got to do it. But nobody hears that, right? Because we Pentecostals have been trained. we got to go after God with everything we have instead of believing that God is just moving. And so if I don't feel something, I don't. Well, I'm waiting on that anointing. Y'all have heard me use this so much. I hear preachers all the time, especially Pentecostals. They've been preaching already for 30 minutes, and all of a sudden they'll say something like this. Oh, I feel my help coming. I'm thinking, why didn't you just start then? You've wasted a lot of my time. Or we'll say something like, God can do more in five minutes than we can do in an hour. Or five hours. Then why are we trying to have church all day? I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm trying to get us to realize God is moving. And opportunities are passing me up. And they're around me every day. I just got to start looking for them. Who it on your job? Remember, it's in the journey. Who is it on your job or your workplace this week that you're going to run into? There's been so many times there, even at the huddle house, believe it or not, just sitting there having coffee, talking to somebody. It may be the waitress. It might be somebody that came in and just sat down, that all of a sudden, and we've done this, that God will speak to our heart about them. Or maybe somebody overhearing our conversations and we walk out and they said, will you pray? I mean, we've seen this happen over and over and over. Ministry isn't the issue. The issue is we are not paying attention to the ministry that is in the front of us. Hello. It's out there. It's waiting upon us. I, I like what Miss Tiffany said the other day. You know, one day I'm going to do something great for God. One day I'm going to do something great. Well, what about today? Because one day may not ever come. I love what she talked about the other day. God doesn't waste a season. He's not wasting a season. He's moving right now. He's moving right where you are. I I don't understand always the season that I'm in. But if I'm not careful, I'll put myself on the shelf. It's not God that put me there. I put myself on the shelf because I'm not doing what I did five years ago. Here's another area I think that we get in trouble. Because again, I, I was sharing this with the minister today. We're all accessible, accessible to every ministry just about in the world in our hand. How many? Of, be honest with you. How many of you are listening to other ministries? Get honest with me. You're viewing regularly other ministries. I'm thankful for that, but I tell you it can mess with us and can sometimes even hurt you. Not because they're doing anything wrong, But you'll try to operate in somebody else's anointing instead of operating in the anointing of where God has you. And you've got to be wise enough to discern that. Oh, I think we ought to do like Benny does. Or I think we ought to do like Rod does. I think we ought to do like this one does. Well, wait a minute. What if God didn't anoint us that way? Maybe it's not that we're not under there, but maybe we just, they're at a different level of that. Remember, I think I shared this last week. Billy, is that her name? Billy Brim from uh, over in that area, Prayer Mountain. I think uh, she was talking about when God spoke to her about being a prophet and the anointing of her spiritual father, Kenneth Hagin, being upon her. And she said something in that it's the same anointing, but maybe not at the same level. And maybe it's not that we are not to operate like that, but we haven't matured in it yet to get to that level of operation. So if you're not careful, please hear me. You will miss, and it could frustrate you. I know it frustrates the house. Well, why don't we do it like them? Why don't we do it like them? And we're constantly comparing ourselves to somebody else. It can be a great tool because it opens us up. But it can also frustrate your spirit. Just thought I'd throw that in for whatever purpose. Well, pastor, I think that's what we ought to be doing. Well, maybe you got to ask yourself, am I in the right spot? As much as I don't want to see anybody leave, maybe you ought to. If that's what frustrates you, if you can't, because either you'll be a blessing or you'll become a frustration. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's go to three. Are you okay? Here's number three. You're anointed for this time. You're anointed for this. This is our time. Luke chapter four, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me for the recovery of sight to the blind. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to set the captive free. He has sent me to proclaim uh, the the day of uh, the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if that anointing is on Jesus and we're the body of Christ, then may I tell you that same anointing is resting upon us. And if you and I are Spirit-filled believers, the Bible said if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it will also quicken our mortal body. We're anointed for this moment of time. This is our time. We're anointed to bring hope. Man, church, I still believe. We, listen, we've got to bring hope to a world. They're already messed up. And you and I telling them how ugly and bad they are isn't helping one bit. Now, there is a moment we got to speak truth. But if we're moving like Jesus, do you know ever notice that Jesus healed a lot of people that weren't born again yet? He didn't ask him, do you want to go to heaven with me? He didn't ask that question. He just went and healed him. He became a friend to sinners. Everybody knew that Zacchaeus was a cheat, a tax collector that was a cheat. So what did Jesus say? Hey, can I have lunch with you? I'd like to be in on that conversation. I don't know that he went in Zacchaeus' house, sat at lunch with him and said, hey, dude, I don't want to do this publicly, but I'm going to tell you, you are messed up and you're doing things wrong. I don't know that he did that. But he did show us something. That if we're going to win the world, we got to learn how to do community. And not push them away, but draw them to us and love them possibly where they are. I know it's hard. It's a very how do you do that when you don't have anything in common with some of those folks? How do you do that when they're living? What about the transvestite? What about the transgender person? What about all this stuff that we all abhor and abhor in the face of God? But it's like one individual said they don't believe that we can love the individual and separate the sin. And sometimes that's what you and I have to do is love the individual enough that they're convicted by the love of Jesus that's in our hearts. But you're anointed for this moment. Look at your neighbor and say, you're anointed for this time. Oh, I believe that with all my heart. We are anointed. And it's not about a feeling. It's just about somebody springing into action. I think we need to really, I'm going to say that again. It's not about a feeling, but it's about me springing into action. You know, Jesus tells us to become like little children. I don't think our children operate like we do. I know Maverick doesn't. Maverick doesn't ask me, Papa, is your phone charged? He never asked that question. He just crawls up and I know what he wants. He'll come over to the couch. He's wanting Papa to sit down. And I know what he'll look at me and smile real big. And he's waiting for me to... And when I do, he lights up. And his favorite show on here is Blippi. And Blippi dances when he comes. And he starts sitting on the couch doing this. He's ready to engage. But he never thinks about being qualified or disqualified or is it working is it charged or what i gotta do he's just going into action and those little fingers are sitting there just he knows more about my phone than i do he's over there doing it right now on Mimo's phone and she's got an android he's figured it out You and I have got to learn we're anointed and it's time to spring into action. Now we can grow. I'm going to talk about that in a moment but I want you and I to realize we're anointed. Here's the fourth thing that you and I need to understand. We as spirit-filled people, we carry the river of God. It's not coming down, it's here. Jesus said in John chapter 7 verse 37, 38, I believe it is. Will y'all put that up on the screen for me? I think you can. If you can, I'll just read it. I just want to make sure I quote it right. John chapter 7 verse 37, 38, I believe. Are we going to get up there? Uh, it says something like this. Jesus was talking about. I got to look. Let me turn there real quick. I didn't give them any list back there, so. I'm pressing on them to spring into action. So this is where it says, verse 37. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus cried, stood and cried and said, If anyone is thirsty, and thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, he didn't say anything about begging for something to drink, right? He didn't say beg and plead. He just said, If any man is thirsty... Let him come and drink. Go to the next verse. Thank you. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart, one translation said, out of his belly or his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I think there's a song that we say, I got the river. I've got something to that effect living in me, flowing out of me. We used to sing that song, spring up, oh well, within my soul. You remember those songs. Don't have a clue what we're singing, but we sang them. They sounded good. Okay, is the river in you? Are you looking for the river? Jesus said it was in us and would come out of us. And maybe it could be both, so don't anybody be offended. And maybe we just need to get closer to the river. But he said, out of us shall flow rivers of living, of life-giving. Let's say it better like that, of life-giving water. So as, as people that are spirit-filled, that life-giving river is in us. I could go and give you several scriptures about the river. One of them that comes to my mind real quick, I think, is in the book of Psalms. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will be like a tree planted by the river whose leaves never fade. What did the river do? It gave life. It gave life. In the book of Ezekiel, boy, we like that chapter, right? We love it. From the throne of God flows the river, and it flows even out to the marsh grounds. And along the banks of it are the trees, and the Bible said, the trees for healing. You could go and find that even in the book of Revelation. And Jesus tells us that we carry that life-giving water question is, what are we letting come out of us? It carries the life of God to change, to heal, to save, to deliver. Let me give you the fifth thing because my time is pressing. Something all of us need to understand. God desires for His people to be whole. Everybody. Not just people that believe, but everybody that's whole. I'm telling you, people are messed up in this present time. They're messed up. They're sick. They're sick physically. They're sick spiritually. They're sick emotionally. They're sick relationally. They're sick financially. And I believe it is the will of God that every person, every person be made whole. Whether they're of faith or whether they're not, it's still the will of God. You and I have to believe that. I don't like some of the stuff that I see going on in the world any more than anybody else. But i got to realize they are bound by demon spirits. And this is becoming more and more prevalent than it ever has before. And we need to be able to discern the difference of the two. How could that happen? How could that person think that way? How could they be? And see, here's our quick answer. You just ought to get over it. And you just ought to go look in the mirror. And you ought to do this. I've said those things. But not realizing if they did go look in the mirror, they're still going to be deceived. Because they're messed up in their mind. That spirit has put such a grip on them. But you know what? We carry that life-giving water. So here's the deal. Everywhere you go, that river is going with you. It's going to the job. It's going to the market. We just don't live in that arena. Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled people, we live in the auditorium. I'm telling you, we do. We live in the auditorium and 99% when we walk out of here I can't wait to get back to the auditorium so that I can get back in the river again. So evidently I must left the water here instead of being a carrier of water to those that are in need. My son and daughter Jared and Bailey live out at Gordonville. A few weeks ago he messaged me About this time of evening sent me a picture. The house down the road was on fire. It's the flames. Smoke was out everywhere. And the fire department had already arrived. But they don't have fire hydrants in the neighborhood. So what did they have to do? They had to bring a pumper. Or they had to bring tankers in. They brought them from Cape. They brought them from Jackson. They came in. There was a lake across the road that they had to pump it out of, put it in the truck, drive it down the road to to get the fire out. Not everybody's living near the fire hydrant or living near the river, but you've got the river in you walk out with it and it's the will of God that we use that river not so that I could say man that was the greatest service I've ever been in he filled us up so I could go pour out and I could pour into somebody and I got to leave the results to God not to what I felt or what I see well I prayed nothing happened how do you know it didn't happen how do you know it didn't happen I sat and listened to the prophets the other night from Nashville. Every one of them said, that's prophesied, said, don't think God's missed it. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean that God's not working. Boy, I hear that. That's wonderful. But what about us in everyday life and situations when I, God said, if I lay hands on the sick, what did he say would happen? They'll recover. Well, I didn't see anything happen, so God must not have worked. But I gotta to come to that point to say I've just been obedient to God and I'm gonna leave the rest of it up to the Lord. That He's gonna do what He said He would do. Hello. And I'm gonna believe Him. Matter of fact, they said the lady that the toes grew back. The toes didn't start growing back the 30 minutes after they prayed for. Her. Now why? I have no clue under the sun. But maybe if that had grown out right there, and I'm not saying it didn't happen that just what I heard. If it had done that, we thought, man, I got the anointing on me to grow toes, So I'm going to start me a growing toe ministry. And all the glory would have come to me instead of going to Him. Hello. But it's the will of God. Matter of fact, when you find Jesus starting His ministry, Matthew chapter 4, you can, you can read it later. Just take these notes down. The Bible said he went about all the cities, he went about the villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he was healing all the sick that was among them and he was setting the captive free and the Bible said his fame went out everywhere. In the book of Isaiah 53.5, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our, all of us, iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Acts 10.38 talks about how Jesus was anointed of the Father who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and all that were vexed by demons. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. You know, we put too many people into hell. We really do. Through our religion. You know, those ordinary people, I want to use a couple real quick before I get in my last point and I'm done. I want to talk about Philip and a man by the name of Stephen. Found in the book of Acts chapter 6. The church is growing. The church is moving. And the, the... there was some needs among the church. The widows were not being taken care of properly. And I guess there was complaint saying, hey, you apostles ought to be taking care of her. And so some of the apostles said, well, wait a minute. It's not good for us to leave what we're doing. We're leading the church. This is our responsibility. But I believe there's some people here that could do it. So the this Bible said they chose out. I think there were seven, chose out seven men, and this is what the word says in Acts chapter six that were full of faith, full of faith, and full of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter six. Next week, Miss what's your name here? Miss Adrian's gonna be speaking. She'll really preach good to you. I know she will. But it said they were full of the Holy Spirit, they were of good men of good reputation. And they had wisdom, who, notice what the word said, they were appointed over this business. So the first one it makes mention of is Philip. So Philip is just full of faith and he's full of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 8, it talks about Philip going to Samaria to check on widows and while he's checking on widows this is what the word said he does all of these miracles until the whole city of samaria is turned upside down and filled with joy because of this guy wait a minute wait a minute it wasn't a tv preacher wasn't a tv prophet or apostle wasn't somebody it was just philip a simple guy that just loved God. He was full of, I believe that's when he said he was full of faith. I believe he'd just come. He was a simple guy that just believed there was nothing impossible for Jesus. And he just went out doing, taking care of widows. But then there's Stephen. And what the Bible says about Stephen in verse 8 of chapter 6 says, And Stephen full of faith and power, did great signs and wonders among the people. Now, wait a minute. He's still taking care of widows. But the word faith there is translated, he's full of grace. One is operating in faith. The other one is operating in a lot of grace. The unmerited favor of God that we could say. That he's just demonstrating grace i'm going to be gracious i'm going to i'm going to be loving i'm going to be compassionate and the bible said he did great great miracles among the people here's my last point of the night i'm done you may feel inadequate but sometimes it's not that your faith isn't there you just haven't matured to use it right As I was meditating on this point today, I believe every gift of God is mature when He gives it to us. I'm going to go back to when I was an eight-year-old boy in the Spirit, on the floor, in the city of Paducah, on the corner of 6th Street and Elizabeth, in a little storefront church, when I felt... And I felt like God spoke to me that I would would preach the gospel. Eight years old. I knew that. I believe to this day when God spoke to me, He spoke to me as mature as God could speak. But my immaturity could only understand preach. But I believe in that word preach... He saw me in the year 2023 on May whatever today is. Yeah, thank you, Michael. He saw me standing before you teaching this class. Or he saw me in front of a TV camera preaching to the world or maybe just on our cameras preaching over the internet or he saw me in the nation of Trinidad or England or Africa, the places I've gotten to go and and still want to go. He spoke to me back there, but my immaturity wouldn't carry it. And may I say to you, it's possible, this is Pastor Zach, all right, that it's not that your faith isn't mature, but you're not mature enough to handle that measure of faith. And so what happens as you exercise yourself at where you are, because we go from what? Faith to faith. And we go from glory to glory. That you grow into that. Because again, it's mature in the Lord and the more that you exercise it here's the key I really believe this with all my heart you want to grow in God you want to grow in the word you want to have more understanding give away what you know it's the principle of the kingdom of sowing and reaping why don't I get revelation like that you don't give away what you know there's a difference in knowledge in revelation you can read and know the Bible it doesn't mean you have revelation. But the more that you will get, well, Pastor, it's just not on your level or on my level or that level. Don't matter. Give away what you know. And the more of it that you give away, I really believe the more, the more you use it, the more God will release greater measures or, or maybe take you into a greater place that you've never thought that He could use you. I believe it'll be the place that signs and wonders become even more because we're stepping out and it's not about us any longer but it's all about Him. So we're all called and Jesus said to the man that asked Him I want eternal life. I want your kind of life. Jesus said what does the law say? Love me with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Now I'm challenging you, let's be neighbor. Let's go in our journey and be the neighbor. It might be tonight. It might be tomorrow. And it don't have to be every day. It could be. But just be in the journey and start living sensitive. God, is there somebody today? I believe even if you would open up your heart to even start that day, most of us don't start that way. I just got to go to work. But I believe you and I are really the revival. I personally believe this. I don't think, this is Zach, I don't think it's going to be like we've seen it in the past. There may be meetings, but I really don't believe. I'm not looking for that. I'll be honest. I'm almost, I don't even want hardly go to a meeting anymore. But I do. Because I believe it's different, Miss Judy. And I believe he's breaking me a little bit loose from that because I could be in church every night. But I believe it's about the life that we live that we are the carriers of revival. Don't misunderstand. He may use other people in meetings every night. And I'll probably run to those meetings just to say I'm with you. And I'm not saying that we won't ever do it here. But right now, this is what I really believe God is saying. You are the carrier of revival. Come on and stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask you tonight, as I have submitted unto this people what you put in my spirit to release to them and to give to them, I pray tonight, God, that you would grant to each of us in this place the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And I pray that the eyes of our understanding will be open, that we will know the hope of your calling and what are the riches of your glory, of your inheritance that is in us. God, that we might know, that we might know, and we might fulfill, God, that purpose of which you have called us to for such a time as this. God I thank you that a fresh awakening and a fresh move of your spirit and a greater understanding of the river being in us is flowing it is not dammed up I and mean, if it is I've dammed it up so tonight I break anything loose that keeps the river in me dammed up so that it will flow oh hallelujah God that it will flow out of us everywhere we go that God we change atmospheres we change situations God people's lives are being changed because of us God people just get close to us because they sense the river of God in us oh God and they are thirsty and they're hungry I thank you that this is the hour of Signs, wonders, and miracles. That's what you've designed each of us for. As Isaiah said in Isaiah 8.18, me and this people are for signs and wonders in Israel. I declare tonight that this people is set for such a time as this. It don't matter how old, how young, how this or how that. God, those that yield themselves to you and will allow that river to flow. God, you got a way. If they're messed up, if they're not doing it right, you'll straighten it out. God, you're big enough and capable enough. So, God, I release it in this people tonight. Ha, shotte de bokoya. Come on and lift your hands to the lord don't just walk out of this place tonight god i stir up that river i stir up that river in this people i break loose the dam that has held the river back in the name of jesus Woo. Oh, Jesus I stir it tonight some of you feel like the river has gotten stagnant maybe a little messy but here's the deal if you'll let the water run how many of you when you go to the water faucet turn it on and let it run just for a few moments even the outside hose sometime you gotta let it run to get the bad water that's been sitting there out of the way but behind it because it's tapped in there's 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 a fresh flow of the river of the water of God. I declare that tonight over you. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let the river of God flow in you tonight. Ha! Come on, church. Give Jesus a shout of praise. He's moving, God's doing amazing things. It's happening all over the land. You and I just are not hearing what God's doing, but it's happening all over the land. The devil isn't winning. Jesus is still on the throne. God is still leading this nation. He's leading the church, and the church cannot be defeated. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to leave you like that. Just go with the river. I've gone to the river many times and I took the river home with me. I had to clean out my car Day I didn't go to the river but I went to the pond and I told you about catching those fish And even though I put them in the bucket, I didn't change my clothes before I got out of the car. I got in my car. And the last time I went and cleaned it up a few days ago, I had some scales that were laying in the floorboard because they had gotten on me. I'm here to tell you, you will carry it. If you will let it, it will go everywhere you want it to go. So let it go with you. Good night, everybody. God bless. God bless.